So anyways, then I says, that's not a walrus. That's my girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Episode 81. Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, where we are forging genuine human connection through fitness, health, mindset, and nutrition. Let's get to the show with your hosts, Jared Bradford, Connor Edelbrock, and Corey Mueller. I had French toast this morning for the first time in a long time. Mm. I put some vermont maple syrup on top of mm. it and then i you know i had two pieces made a little too many eggs so i also had scrambled eggs but the eggs like i put them in the pan big pan and they went flat like a pancake and then i rolled the egg so it was like an egg roll like up. a crepe like an egg crepe. yeah it was like a crepe yeah. it was like an egg crepe that's cool mm. that's super dope you're basically julia child's i don't know who that is man okay movie recommendation we're gonna just start this off uh watch julie and julia it's going to blow your mind. It's on Netflix. Okay. Uh, is it like new? No, it came out, I don't know, like 10 years ago. We just watched it the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Man, you know what's fun? You know what's really fun? Well, it's fun. You talked about French toast, and then you talked about cooking eggs like that, and then we talked about Julia yeah. Childs, who was famous for teaching Americans how to cook French food. And you know what's interesting? We're going to talk about some French stuff. That's broad and generic. <laughs> Let's dive into it. Uh, yeah. So today we're going to be discussing uh, an, a topic that I was motivated to learn more about in the book that I just finished reading for 75 Hard. It was called Natural Born Heroes, and it's by Chris McDougall. So a lot of the stuff that is going to be talked about. I started the learning process within that book. So any of you listening, if you're interested in reading that book, I would highly recommend it. It was recommended to me by a trusted individual and it was fantastic. I'm really glad that I, I read it because it brought you trust him with your house keys. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Okay. That's safe then. Yeah. Yeah. I'll read it. Um, it, it really changed my ideas on, fitness and some of the, some of the areas that like truthfully I've been lacking in my entire life. And it, it became really apparent to me when I started working as a park ranger, kind of these, some of these areas that were, that I was lacking in. So the thing we're going to be talking about, uh, I'm going to lead into it with the French name and it's called Le Methode Naturelle. Yeah, okay. Fancy, fancy. <laughs> Uh, which is also the natural training method. All right. Great. Great. So this is something that's been around for a long time. And the guy that sort of made it popular, and this was back in like 1902, that this really became uh, a big popular thing for him. His name is Georges Habert. And Mm -hmm. Georges Habert was, he was basically a pioneering physical educator in the French military. So he was, He was in the French military. He was, you know, big into training and all that. He was never in combat, but uh, so he developed this physical education and training method known as, you know, the natural training method. Uh, Mm. Now it's referred to as Haberism. So that's kind of like the modern, you know, 
take on it. So anyway, yeah. So I'm going to start with why this became a thing for him and why it was important. And it all starts in 1902 um, in the island of Martinique, which is in the Caribbean. And Martinique is a French, you know, French island in the Caribbean. So the town of St. Pierre, it's a beautiful Caribbean kind of colonial town, right? Mm -hmm. There's a big volcano on Martinique. And in 1902, it exploded. And so George Hebert was, he was stationed on a boat. I mean, he was in the French Navy. So he was, you know, exploring out on the boat and doing his thing, whatever. And so people knew that the volcano was starting to show signs that something was going to happen. So it was starting to, there was activity that was starting and, Nobody did anything about it. They just kind of assumed their daily lives. They continued on like everything was normal, which, you know, people, people do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was the volcano exploded. It was a huge explosion. And the the town of St. Pierre had roughly 30,000 people in it. Uh, When that volcano exploded, 29,000 of those people died. Holy fucking balls. Oh yeah. my God. So like it was, <laughs> it was a massive loss of life. Even I yeah. mean, th- this in this time, uh, it, it was like a, one of the biggest, you know, modern tragedies, even like Teddy Roosevelt was sending aid down there. Yeah, because, I mean, at that point, that's, that's like huge. Yeah. It's like literally the whole population. Exactly. It's a huge loss of life. So what Haber did in that time. So he was on a ship. And most of the ships were trying to run away from the island because the volcano was spewing out, you know, molten rocks, lava, all the ash, all that stuff. And it's just raining down on this town and the whole, you know, the whole countryside. So most of these ship captains are are trying to get away from the island. They, Haber and his ship actually pushed towards the island. The ship was almost sunk multiple times. But they were able to rescue about 700 civilians from the island. Wow. And something that he noticed was these people that were on the island were unable to escape without help. They were sitting there waiting for someone to come and rescue them because Mm. they couldn't run away. They couldn't swim away and they couldn't jump to safety in some way because it's like animalistic nature, right? If something's bad and you're near water and that's the only way that you get away from it. You swim away. Even like animals that aren't proficient swimmers, like horses will do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But these people were just waiting to be rescued and most of them died. You know, most of them, most of them died. So um, I'm going to read an excerpt here from a guy that lived in St. Pierre. He was a shoemaker. His name was Leon Uh, So this is uh, like a paragraph statement that he made after this was all said and done. So he said, I felt a terrible wind blowing. The earth began to tremble and suddenly the sky became dark. I turned to go into the house and with great difficulty climbed the three or four steps that separated me from my room. And I felt my arms and legs begin to burn. Also my body. I dropped upon a table. 
At this moment, four other people sought refuge in my room, crying and writhing in pain, although their garments showed no signs of being touched by flame. At the end of 10 minutes or so, the young Delavaux girl, so that's the Delavauds were like a family on the island. Um, She was 10 Mm -hmm. years old, fell dead. The others left. I got up and went to another room where I found the father of the daughter still clothed and lying on the bed. He was also dead. He was purple and inflated, but the clothing was intact. Crazed and almost overcome, I threw myself on a bed, inert and awaiting death. My senses returned to me in about an hour when I beheld the roof burning above me. With sudden, sufficient strength, my legs bleeding and covered with burns, I ran to Fons Saint-Denis, six kilometers from Saint-Pierre. So this guy was one of the few people that was able to run away and and survive most people that were involved in this tragedy didn't survive at one point it was it was rumored that like less than 10 people survived but it's the the number is closer to like a thousand um Mm -hmm. so that gives like a an idea of what was happening on this island and what haber was witnessing when he was trying to rescue these people so basically he determined that athletic skill must be combined with courage and altruism, which altruism is like, think about it like compassion. So he developed his own model motto based on these things, be strong to be helpful. And so many of his ideas originated from his predecessor and his predecessor's name was Francisco Amoros who was the pioneer in the world of practical movements and training. So he was like the godfather, but Haber kind of brought it into, you know, into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, pretty crazy event. A ton of people died because they weren't able to just do basic human movements that would have saved their lives. You know what I mean? Hmm. So what happened after that? Haber was motivated. He was, he was motivated because he just saw a shit ton of people die. And so what he did was he convinced the French Navy that he could train soldiers more effectively and efficiently. So at this time, gyms were becoming a big thing. Strength training was becoming a big thing. The Industrial Revolution was happening. And so people were sitting more. There was more specialized, you know, thing. like you went instead of going to... Um, instead of building your own house, there were people who would build your house for you type thing, you know? So a lot of the, a lot of this stuff could be, um, you know, contracted out, whatever. So gyms were becoming really prevalent. Haber thought gyms were pointless basically. And so he convinced the French Navy to give him 150 recruits to train with no gyms, no weights and no special regimens. And what was really interesting was by the end of their training, they were able to determine that the fitness levels of these 150 recruits were at the time they were comparable to like decathletes, you know, in the early 1900s, which decathletes are obviously insanely fit. And so, yeah, these dudes were super fit and the training movements were simple. They, were climbing, they were jumping, they were running, they were swimming, they were fighting, you know what I mean? They were, so they were doing, they were throwing things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest setback to this was World War One was right around the corner. And in World War One, all 150 of these recruits were killed. So on many occasions, many reports, these were the guys that were leading the charges. And obviously, if you guys know anything about World War One, it was probably like one of the it was the worst war in modern history because men, they just run across the field and they'd be mowed down by machine guns. There was mm-hmm. all these. It was chemi- like one of the first guns of like, yeah, chemical warfare and chemical. Like yep. Big guns, yeah. fast guns that could shoot multiple bullets per second. And the, the yes. tactics hadn't hadn't yeah. caught up there to the no technology. Room, right. Yeah. So right. they were still yeah. like there were still cavalry charges into machine guns. There was still like, mm. you know, and millions and millions and millions of people died in World War One. So, yeah, all of these guys were killed um, in World War One, which set this natural movement method back a lot because Hebert had no he had no ground to stand on at that point for the fact that his philosophy was was worthwhile and it worked. Uh, So the big parts of his philosophy, there were three important parts. One was physical training. So that's what we're we're talking about, like you know, the running, the jumping, the climbing, et cetera. And then another big piece was mental training. So this is, you know, having energy, willpower, courage, uh, remaining cool under pressure and also being firm, like mentally firm. And I, I read that as discipline. So like mental discipline is part of it. And then the third piece is ethical behavior, which uh, it kind of works into that compassion bit. So that's like friendship collective work. So working as a team. And again, here comes this word that pops up a lot in Haber's work, which is altruism or compassion. And in that natural born heroes book, these were important pieces of what it means to be a hero. So heroism wasn't just heroic deeds that were completed by heroic people. So he refers a lot to like the old Greek heroes like Achilles and Odysseus and Ajax and all those types of guys. Um, But one of the biggest pieces of that is the compassion because being a hero is, you know, you're doing heroic things like saving someone from a burning building or Mm -hmm. carrying someone out of a dangerous situation or whatever. So those were Hebert's three big pieces of his philosophy in that And then it broke down into 10 basic human movements for his training, which we already talked a little bit about, but what, you know, I'm just going to list them off real quick and we can kind of, we can kind of talk about them after that. So walking, running, uh, crawling around. So like bear crawls, stuff like that, climbing, jumping, balancing, lifting and carrying, throwing stuff, defense. So, you know, fighting martial arts learning knowing how to defend yourself and swimming so i don't know you're you're definitely you're obviously you're a fitness coach you're involved in that those sound like all the basic human movements pretty much right <laughs> yeah it goes goes to like what's modern today the crossfit uh, is like uh walk run squat hinge carry mm-hmm. pull push um Dip, dive, dodge, <laughs> and dodge. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're all like basic, basic human movements. Um, human body can only move so many ways, and mm-hmm. to train those movement patterns is key. 
And it's interesting Obviously. too. A lot of the, I remember uh, CrossFit worthy, and this was especially when you were in and out of coaching there, they would do a lot of self-defense clinics on the weekends. I remember. And yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. Like it was basic, you know, how to stop some, how to prevent basically being mugged, stuff like that. But that's a big piece of Haber's training method is knowing how to defend yourself. So really in today's day and age, I mean, you name it, there's martial arts for everything. So, Mm -hmm. you know, boxing, jujitsu, whatever. I've always been told you need to know how to fight standing up and you need to know how to fight on the ground type thing. So like a lot of fights go to the ground and so that's important to know how to defend yourself, which I would say like the majority of just like people out on the street don't really know how to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> if someone was to come and teach me stuff, I'd probably learn a bunch of shit. About yeah. Fighting. Right. So that's not something that is, unless you seek it out, you really get trained to do, but it's mm-hmm. such a, <laughs> I'm thinking like through high school and like, like that type of brain, all the fights that went on and then, you know, obviously going to wars and shit like that. But, right. Um, yeah. And I've had like pretty basic self-defense. Like when I was, I was working security at a hospital, we learned combatives and whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, there was a, in world war two, there was a, a self-defense. Well, it wasn't really self-defense. It was, I mean, you're actively trying to kill someone. The, the, or, or the originators of the SAS, uh, Fairburn and Sykes, they developed a fighting style called gutter fighting. And it was basically <laughs> like, what's the quickest way I'm going to incapacitate somebody in the most aggressive and deadly way possible. And I watched a lot of YouTube videos because they did back in the day, they used to film their training and it was funny because they were like Batman style, like masks. Cause they were sec- They were basically secret agents. Um, mm-hmm. And the fighting was really interesting because it was all very simple, but it was super effective. And you're using a lot of like the person's own body weight, their momentum, all that type of stuff. And just knowing where to strike and how to strike is a big part of the battle. So that was, that was really interesting to learn about and um, ties into this natural movement, you know, the method. Mm -hmm. So uh, saying all that to say, why is this important? This is important to me because it connects with me on a level where I realized reading this book and then learning about the natural training method that, man, I like, I don't think I fall into this category of being fit to be useful. And a perfect example is like, and I've had people tell me this, like, yeah, if you need to, if you need something lifted, like Corey can help you, but he's not a runner or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been able to do a pull-up. I've never, all, all that type of stuff, like push-ups and all these body weight movements were never my strength. And they were actually like a huge glaring weakness, but like I could go in and power clean 250 and life was good. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so for me, this was a big shift in my mentality about like what fitness actually is. And when you think about these people that are super fit and can do all these things, they don't normally look like they don't have huge muscles, but they're, you know what I mean? They're shredded and they're solid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they have that body type. And I'm thinking like, that's, that's what real fitness is about. And I think that like CrossFit athletes are, uh, 
like the high level CrossFit athletes are a souped up version of what this functional fitness, the natural training method looks like. I mean, basically anyone that I've seen that is proficient with like parkour, the natural training stuff, they look like they'd be ready to chase down an antelope for 25 miles until it got too tired. And because that's, I mean, that's what humans could do back. They had to, they would chase down prey until they were so exhausted that the prey would just lay down and then they would do what they had to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my like personal connection to it is it's, it's sort of twisted or not twisted, but it's sort of turned my idea of fitness around. And I appreciate that because now I'm thinking like, if the apocalypse were to happen, I want to be able to survive. You know what I mean? That's the way I look at it. Like I want to be able to pull myself up on a, if I'm like hanging from something because the platform underneath me broke, I want to be able to pull myself up and survive and not, you know what I mean? Cause mm-hmm. I think about it. Like if something like that were to go down or any like tragedy were to go down, you know how many people would just die? 29,000 out of 30,000 people died on that Island. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that's, I don't feel like it's much different today, honestly. It's tough to wrap your head around that, but I think this is really resonating right now in the past year or two because of the pandemic and like logistically gyms being closed. So the body weight movements, these basic things that you can do in your garage or right outside mm-hmm. your house or on the sidewalk or just going for a walk somewhere, it's, it's so much easier and accessible. Mm-hmm and realistic to people. Yeah. Um, even though if they weren't going to a gym prior to the pandemic now, uh, it seems like these people, the fitness industry is kind of leaning in a way of efficiency and accessibility and, uh, like what works for the consumer. So you take Peloton or you take the, the mirror, mm-hmm. which you can buy, you know, everything is going to be at home, home garages. It's, it's so much easier for mm-hmm. the consumer and the person that wants to get in fit to just do these things at home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, being able to have these things accessible to them through their phone, these workouts that are really easy just to go out in your yard or your sidewalk or Peloton app has walk runs instead of just biking. It's not all biking. They do walk runs. They do walks like guided walks and all these things that are basic movement. It's just movement. And that's what we need yeah. is movement and then strengthening upon that movement and then increasing it week to week, month to month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's really interesting too, because I, I'm thinking for the majority of my adult life. So I'm thinking from, you know, age 18 and up and I'm 29 now I have done a lot of sedentary jobs. I've had a lot of sedentary hobbies and stuff like that. And I developed some, what I thought were pretty significant health issues. So my back, my lower back was, I, man, I I was having lower back issues since I was like 15. And over the last like 10 years, give or take, it's been really bad. And it's, you know, it's come and gone. It's, but it's always come back and it's always when it's bad, it's been really debilitating. And it's been like, it's more, it's almost more a mental problem than it is a physical problem. Cause it would just mess with my head so much. Cause it's like, I can't even, I can Mm -hmm. barely walk. You know what I mean? 
But the craziest yeah. thing that happened was, and I tried everything. I tried, you know, chiropractors, massages, like physical therapy. I did physical therapy for, for months trying to work on this. But the thing that really made a difference, and this is overall like my health and well-being really changed when I, I started working as a park ranger because what do we do? I'm thinking like, okay, what do I do every day? I'm going out, I'm walking a shit ton. So like on average, every mm-hmm. day is like minimum 10,000 steps, like minimum 10,000 steps. And I'm bending over, I'm lifting stuff off the ground. I'm, you know, using power. I'm like using a hammer. I'm, you know, lifting rocks, like whatever you like getting outside and, and doing all this stuff and just being more active has completely, I mean, I haven't had significant back pain in like six months. Um, nice. Like, I think the, I, any, it, the only time it really hurts is if I go work out and then I come home and lay down and then I try to get back, like everything tightens up and it's, but even still, like I loosen up in like no time. Um, so like strengthening my core and just realizing like our bodies are supposed to move, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think that we in our uh, life is easy for us, right? we can have literally anything we need delivered to our front door, which is uh, an amazing thing. Right. But at the same time, I think it's really handicapped people into believing that all these like physical ailments that they deal with can be fixed with a pill or can be fixed with whatever, but really, and you know, this, like you deal with this on a daily basis as like a PTA, what does it boil down to? It boils down to your body being fit and being functional and being able to do this stuff. And I really like, that's why I think that's why this book resonated with me so much is because the proof, like we said earlier, the proof is in the spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I mean, the fact that all of these things are changing and the pain has gone away and all this stuff with just more movement and a more active lifestyle. Like, why is that not the prescription? Why is that? Why is that like, we got to go to the gym so you can look good. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to the gym. That's the whole idea with this natural movement thing is like, you could go out to the woods and climb trees and run on a trail and balance on fallen, build a cabin or build. Yeah. Build a cabin, go swimming like in a river. You know what I mean? Like, Dude, one of our favorite people, Teddy Roosevelt, he used to lead foreign dignitaries through Rock Creek Park in Washington, D.C., and he would make them climb up like sheer rock faces and swim (laughs) in the Potomac River naked and like go on these walks in the middle of like monsoons. You know what I mean? Hear that? Yeah. Bully. Bully for you. Remove. (laughs) But like that's fucking awesome. And that's what and he was a huge proponent of that because he realized like people are getting soft, you know what I mean? And it, and nothing has changed (laughs) if, well, it has changed because life is easier now. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I think the idea like uh, rest, I think we're going back to everything can be delivered to your doorstep. If you're ever in pain, if you're ever feeling out of whack, I just need rest. So I'm just going to lay on the couch or I'm going to sleep in. Like I see it all the time, like as a PTA too, like 
people don't want to do anything when they, ha- after they have surgery, cause they're scared to right. hurt, they're scared to hurt it anymore. And it just comes, that comes with education and that's part of my job. But a lot of it is just, just move. You need to keep moving it. Mm. You have arthritis. You need to move. You need to walk. Right. You know, you <laughs> have a meniscus tear or ACL tear. Like mm-hmm. you need to, we need to start moving this. Like you can start doing squats and step ups and doing things if you have an ACL tear Mm -hmm. and most, most people's issues are not even surgically warranted. Right. Right. If you have back pain, if you have back pain for years and years, this doesn't require surgery. It requires just movement and smart movement. Mm -hmm. And back pain is the most prevalent issue that we face America. Oh yeah, for sure. Besides, you know, as far as like general pain, but yeah, it's, it's crazy how we think rest is going to solve a lot of issues when man since we started 75 hard i was just gonna say yeah like walking like feel great Mm -hmm. feel like so much more energy in the morning especially we get up and leave around 5 45 and i just feel fucking awesome afterwards and i feel ready for the day Mm -hmm. and overall feel really good since then and i think i don't know so there is was a quote or whatever uh an idea that movement itself isn't dangerous, right? So CrossFit isn't dangerous. Mm -hmm. These things aren't dangerous for you. What's dangerous is being sedentary, Mm -hmm. not moving, Mm -hmm. right? It's not dangerous to start squatting when you tore your ACL. It's not dangerous to, you know, deadlift when you have a sore back. What's dangerous is to go sit on your couch all Mm -hmm. day. And then order your Grubhub and <laughs> order your groceries and order in. And, and then you try to go deadlift with no warm up. <laughs> yeah. And then you try to go deadlift and it's, and then things get fucking. You're like, why? Dude, look what, look at the other 23 hours of your right. day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's where I think the biggest shift for me was like, it, it, it you, like you said, the 23 hours of the day, like, okay, great. You go to the gym for an hour a day. Whoop do you fucking do? what are you doing the rest of the time? And just like you said, with this 75 hard program that we've been doing, which today is day 26. So we're a third way. We're a third Mm -hmm. of the way done. You know how many rest days that we've had in 26 days? Zero. Zero. You know how many injuries that I've had in in 26 days? None. Like I had a little bit of a shoulder. I was like, I, what'd you call it? An impingement, but that was not like, you know what I did? Like we, we mobilized it. it. Like we used some bands, we did some stuff and it within like three days, it was fine. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I used to think like, oh oh, man, I go to the gym, I work out, but man, I'm in pain and I, and I can't lose weight and all this shit and complaining and blah, blah, all this bullshit. And now looking at it, this is where this is. I think this is the next level of like my personal journey and evolution is like, I want to be able to pull myself up and live through like the St. Pierre volcanic explosion. I don't want to be one of those 29,000 people that couldn't save themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the motivation. And I think about it like my, my job has come in a perfect time because we go out and we chainsaw stuff and I'm lifting huge like pieces of wood and throwing them on my back and walking around and like that feels good. You know what I mean? Like that's what we as humans are supposed to be doing. And I think that's what's sort of missed 
in general with us as a, as a society, it's like, well, I go to the gym for an hour and I go on the elliptical and I ride the bike and I like, great. You're moving a little bit, but like, that's not the, that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to someone about 75 hard and they said, well, I can't, I can't do it because I have to work. How am I supposed to like get a, you know, a break and go outside and do the, like a go for a walk or whatever. And it's like, you don't, you can't get 45 minutes to go for a walk. You don't have a lunch break, like anything like that. Wake up an hour earlier, wake up an hour earlier or like, yeah, I get it. When I was working at the treatment center in Colorado, I don't think I would have been able to embrace this lifestyle as much because of the fake pressure that that place put on you. They, they made you believe that you couldn't do any better with job. This was just the way it was. You mm-hmm. had to be here for 18 hours a day. You couldn't, you know, take care of yourself. You had to put in the work and you had to do all this shit, but that's just, that's just not true. So I think the message that I want to send is like, I am not the expert on this like natural movement thing. This has been my biggest weakness that I've, that I have as a, like in a, in a fitness realm. And so I am coming from the position of like, this is something that we as people can strive to do better. And some people are naturally better at it than others. Like, dude, you have that body type where you're built, you're, you're built for this like natural movement. You can do pull-ups, you can jump high as fuck. Like (laughs) you're like, you, you have that body type. Whereas I'm at, I come from a disadvantage a, because I've been lazy as shit most of my life, honestly. And thought that going to the gym for an hour and pumping some iron is the way to go. And, but that's not it. That's just not moving forward. Like that's not what I want to do. I I think that that's important. Like strength training is important, but this other piece is I think equally as important. And it made me realize like the methodology of CrossFit. And it's a shame that Greg Glassman did some stupid shit and got himself caught up because like his methodology makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and you can attest to that too. You were, I mean, you were a CrossFit coach for many years, but mm-hmm. the, the, you go to a CrossFit box and it's an open space where, what do you do in it? Like, what are the, some of the things that you do in a gym? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You squat, you jump. People are, we're not forcing people into machines and things like that. Yeah, exactly. Not, no, there's no bicep curl machine or leg yeah. extension machine or so. So yeah. uh, that's great. I couldn't do a pull up when I started CrossFit. You really? Everything. Nothing is ever natural. My ability to jump uh, is, yeah, I have the body type for that. But everything, everything you have to, everybody has to work for something. Mm-hmm. So the best way to do it is just literally just start. 75 hard. I heard about it. And the next day I just started. <laughs> yeah. I remember. And it's like, just it. literally it like, just yep, do it. <laughs> just jump in. Like, yeah everything you're going to suck at it at first. I, my biggest difficulty was waking up early and getting up right away, mm-hmm. especially to go work out. I've never, ever, ever been the type of person to do that. Yeah. And since we've started, so you power, we've gone on walks during the weekdays before work, we wake up at five 30 and we get out the door at five 45, do our walk, come back, go to work seven 30 mm-hmm. to about six 30 or seven for mm-hmm. me. And then come home, do the workout, eat dinner, and basically read pages and get ready for bed and go to bed around nine nine thirty. And right. that's the day. Yeah, like that's that's what it takes uh, on my end. And 
the first week was exciting and it was new. It was like, I'm like motivated. We're all doing this. (laughs) The second week was still a little bit, but I remember one morning, like feeling pretty grumpy. The third week I was like this past week. I, it was really tough. Yeah. We, Um, I was going to say week three was tough. Week three was really tough. And then especially the past couple of days though, there was one morning it was raining outside. It was when this past Wednesday, uh, it was raining. Um, it was supposed to be a lot of rain starting at 6 a.m. And I got up, went to the bathroom, and Jess was like, there's going to be a lot really rainy. Do you want to do indoor workout now or try later? I was like, yeah, that's fine. And like, I went back and laid in bed for two more minutes. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I'm going. I'm like, no, we're going. Yeah. So we went for the walk and we were a little bit later, but like, that was a little shift. And it didn't start like that because day two or day three, I would have been like, yeah, I'll just cookie cut this. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not what the 75 hard. I know we're talking about 75 hard, but like yeah. just getting started with some type of movement, like it's going to be hard at first. Hopefully it's exciting though. And you have someone to lean on. Um, I, th- I think the idea though, like 75 hard is the perfect sort of jumping off point to this like natural movement idea and being more healthy is it, for- it forces you to be uncomfortable and to get out and to move. And cause you have to do something outside, you have to like go mm-hmm. and do workouts. And like, if you're working out every single day for 75 days, you're not going to go and run through the machines every day. It's like, yeah. it's just not, you're not going to go ride the bike every single day. Like there's going to have to be a variance in your exercise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm going to read a quote here. Uh, George Haber, his idea behind all this and, Um, sort of like a summary in what he believed the goal of physical education is. So he said this, the final goal of physical education is to make strong beings in the purely physical sense. The natural method promotes the qualities of organic resistance, muscularity, and speed towards being able to uh, walk, run, jump, move on all fours. So like bear crawl, crawl around, whatever to climb, to keep balance, to throw, to lift, to defend yourself, and to swim. In the virile or energetic sense, the system consists in having sufficient energy, willpower, courage, firmness, and coolness to do all those things. In the moral sense, education, by elevating the emotions, directs or maintains the moral drive in a useful and beneficial way. So what does that mean? I think like moral sense, and then he talks about education, so like reading, learning, about in a way that like makes you a better person, right? That's the way Mm -hmm. I, that's the way I hear that. He wraps it up by saying this, the true natural method in its broadest sense must be considered as the result of these three particular forces. It is a physical, virile, and moral synthesis. It resides not only in the muscles and the breath, but above all in the energy which is used, the will which directs it, and the feeling which guides it. So it, the whole idea is it's not just like a physical movement. It's you as a person. It's your, it's your emotions. It's your education. It's your drive. It's your willpower. You know what I mean? Like all mm-hmm. of these things that come into this. And this is in the early 1900s that this dude is coming up with this. He passed away in 1957. He wrote a bunch of books. I'm planning on buying one of his books, but they're, I did, I read a little bit. They're hard to read because they're very like educational. But yeah, I mean, he's so him at like, I think about like that. And then Teddy Roosevelt, 
his idea on how you live life and what you should do. Like, dude, man, that's just, it's just accurate. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I I think think about it, like get out, like get out and play. Right. Mm -hmm. So he talked about like he, when he was training his people, he made these playgrounds. That's what he called them. So they had things to climb, things to jump over. He would make ponds for people, like guys to swim in. They were basically like obstacle courses with, you know, stuff to lift and whatever. When you think about all the stuff you used to do as a kid, you'd run, you'd jump, you'd climb on stuff, you'd throw stuff. You you know what I mean? You'd wrestle Mm -hmm. with your buddies or whatever. And so I think about it like get a little childish with your exercise. We went to the gym the other day and I was trying to do somersaults. I haven't done a somersault in 20 years. You know what I mean? Perfect somersault. I was trying to do somersaults and it felt so foreign, but it was fun. I was like, man, this is cool. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but this is cool. You know what I mean? So like get out and play. Do like do that stuff because it's good for you. I will say that's the cool thing about CrossFit, at least when I started, is it, it incorporated all the things that we thought we never thought about doing, but then we were exposed to them. Yeah. They're pretty fun. Handstand push-ups and muscle ups right. and the more gymnastic y yeah. types of things, just getting upside down on your hands. Um that like normally wouldn't be really socially acceptable in a normal quote normal gym. Mm. Like a meathead gym, Dude, you know, people so, would look at, yeah, people would yeah, look at like real weird fruitcake. Like, but you know, it's, oh my God, like the best athletes come from kids who do gymnastics. Mm. Right. So the, the kids that can learn those basic body positions at a young age and yeah. build that strength, do yeah. they are like, you teach them how to deadlift and it's just like, oh, that's what are you talking about? Teach me. Like, this is just what it is. You just lift a log off the yeah. ground like that. Yeah, you just lift it up <laughs> flat back. Yeah. This is what it is. Like just the body awareness is really what it comes down to. But yeah, yeah, I totally get it. It's like everybody, the, the mindset that, um, you know, the separation of normal citizen versus athlete. Like we need to blur those lines because everybody has the same has a body that can mm-hmm. move in the same ways. They might look a little different based on body type, but who cares if you're an athlete, right? Or you're in the NFL or college or high mm-hmm. school, or you're just a high school kid or a college guy or girl. Like you need to be able to do these things. Like stop yeah. limiting ourselves to, I'm not an athlete. I don't need to do that. Or, you know, like we need to stop because don't be, I think most about it of, like this. Most of the goals that people have, are going to be obtained by doing these movements. Well, the thing about it, like people have these goals, like I want a six pack. I want to have bigger biceps. Yeah, I it's want aesthetic. whatever it's all. That's the thing though. That's the societal pressure. And that's something I meant to touch on, but we haven't really touched on. It's that societal pressure of what fitness actually is compared to like what fitness actually is. And that's where, like I said, I've had this sort of overhaul of my mentality is like fitness isn't, how big are my biceps? Like I'm going to have bigger and more defined biceps. The more fit that I get just in general, you know what I mean? Like the more weight I lose, the more I can mm-hmm. pull myself up onto a tree branch or on a pull-up bar. Like the more pushups I do, my triceps are going to, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. which that's all, those are all consequences of becoming what a human should be. It's not like this is just what humans are made to do. That's the mm-hmm. thing is like, we're not made to just sit around and do nothing. Mm-hmm. That's just not what 
human beings are made to do. And that's, I think that's a big disconnect in, in modern society. Somebody asked me the other day, like, what are some exercises you can do to tone your arms? And I was like, chop wood, do push-ups. I don't like, what do you, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know what you want me to say. Like lift your daughters up and down a thousand times a day. Like <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like you do enough of those things enough times, your arms are going to get toned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not a coach. I'm not a fitness coach at all, but it's, I'm not wrong either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the pill mentality. Everything's got a fix. This mm, a direct mm-hmm. correlation is a fix. Bicep curls are the fix or this weird oh, God, way yeah. I turn my wrist during bicep curls. That's the trick to getting toned arms or like right. three <laughs> sets of 10. No, three sets of 12. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's a huge disconnect. We're sold a lot of bullshit and that's the fitness injury industry. It preys mm-hmm. on people's insecurities and weaknesses and, and ignorance really. So, yeah, right. Especially this time of year, I, it's like this 30 day fitness challenge. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, man, I, like I said, I, anyone who's listening, highly recommend this book. It, it, it's got a ton of really cool history, uh, world war two history, the Cretan rebels in, uh, the island off of Greece, which is Crete. It'll, it'll blow your mind about how simple this stuff is. And it talks a lot about, you know, food, like diet too. So, uh, and, and diet again, that's not complicated. We're not going to get into that right now, but this whole thing is just, it's been really good to learn about and I'm excited to keep moving forward with it. Yeah. It's like, I wish I would have done like 10 years ago. I wish I had this because it just changed. It changes everything. Yeah. 10 years from now, you'll think yourself you have it now. Right. Uh, That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody, everybody's listening. I think you should go out and go for a nice walk today and tomorrow. Go climb a tree. Uh, That too. So (laughs) I think we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here. This has been uh, Corey and Jared reminding you that uh, beep, (laughs) <laughs> you can pee pee with no poo poo but you can't poo poo with no pee pee that's the one that's the one all right <laughs> see you next week thank you for joining us on another episode of the weekly warrior podcast we sincerely appreciate you being here with us and if you would consider sharing the weekly warrior with a friend or family member that'd be pretty great too If you haven't already done so, leave us a rating and a short review. Also, check out our Instagram page at Weekly Warrior Podcast for more warrior content. Thanks again for being here with us, and we hope you'll join us next week when we discover the warrior within. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.